Well, man, wow, that thing's loud, isn't it? Um, you have to qualify to be in here. I don't know whether they told you or not. And the qualifications. Is there anything, anyone here that's not living in a chaotic world? If you're not, you're out. <laughs> I'm going to pass pass this around, and it just kind of tells us where we're going today. <coughs> I'm going to keep my, my voices. What's happening to it? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there's many places we could go. And uh, we probably uh, may not get through even what I've chosen to kind of focus in on today. <coughs> but uh, that's why I, maybe I'm being a little presumptuous. I put my uh, email address on this. So if it triggers thoughts afterwards or If we get get into uh, don't get everything, why well, yeah, we can. Uh, you're you're welcome to email me, and we'll we'll get a phone call, or chat, or whatever we want to do. So uh, I'm going to get my schedule here. So what time we got to get out of here? I'm sorry, eleven looks like. Okay. Mm. Okay. Nathaniel, why don't you pray for us, would you, buddy? Men, open your Bibles to Matthew 6. Many of you probably know, but uh, Jesus starts it out in Matthew uh, 6, 625, when he says, Do not be anxious for your, your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. And so then he spends the rest of the time uh, below that talking about how God feeds the birds. Uh, The lilies come and they go. And the point is that uh, God knows exactly what we need. And, uh, but I would guess you're like I am uh, you spend a lot of time concerned about your living, your how to make a living, what's going to happen. And so Jesus finishes this up, and he gives us a promise. And uh, all of us live by promises. Believers and non-believers, we live by by promises. And uh, so his promises in verse 33. 
He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, men, this is promise that if you'll take it and integrate it in your life, uh, your anxiety level will go way down. Because God says, what he's saying here is, if you'll just seek me, then I'll take the responsibility for meeting your needs. Now, just think about that. Now, you, you, it's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility to provide for your family. It's your responsibility to seek first the kingdom of God. God says, I'll meet your needs. And I can tell you out of my own life, <coughs> I've been in business all my life, and, uh, but it doesn't make any difference what you do. And there will be times when something will happen and uh, it could be, uh, it, it could endanger you financially. And the knee-jerk reaction is fear every time, isn't it? And I found that if, if I'm thinking biblically, in just a moment I can say, no, I'm not going to have fear and I just run this promise through my mind. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. No, I'm not going to have fear. I'm going to have faith because God told me he'll meet my needs. <coughs> and men, that works. And I mean, just like that, I've gone from faith, from fear to faith. And it's there for you if you use it. And then it's interesting <clears throat> he doesn't leave us there. But then the next verse, he says, all right, now I'm going to tell you how to live this out. Somebody read that next verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Ah, do not worry about tomorrow. Fellas, I've had, I don't know, dozens and dozens of men through the years come to me that were anxious over something like that. And so we'd read this, we'd go through this verse. And uh, how are you doing? Well, I'm not doing very well. Living this. And then I'd ask one question. Are you going to be okay today? And I've never had a man tell me, no, I'm going to be okay today. And so what Jesus is teaching us here is we have to live one day at a time. Because men, we only have today. We don't have tomorrow. And so God will give us enough grace and grace for the Christian, we think of grace of being saved. You're saved by grace through faith and not of your works, and that's true. But for us as Christians, grace means uh, God's supernatural power. And men, it's real. The Holy Spirit's been mentioned a couple of times. 
He says, and so what will happen when we, God will give us enough grace, enough supernatural power to live today in the manner he wants us to live and the way we want to live. But he will not give us enough grace to live tomorrow, today. Now when tomorrow becomes today, then he'll give us enough grace to live it. And where we get into trouble with our worry and our anxiety is we're trying to live tomorrow, today. And just think about the things you worry. And some guys will come to me and, you know, they got kids that are six years old and they're worried about how in the world I'm going to get through college. Yeah. And their heart's right, but... And Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. And he does make a true statement there. <laughs> There's enough trouble for today. And that's true, right? Who, sa- who says this Bible isn't true? Yeah. That was said a couple thousand years ago, and we're, sh- what are we doing? <laughs> just as true today, isn't it? That's just one of those internal evidences that we just cements our faith, doesn't it? That this Bible's, man, powerful. So, a good illustration of that is, you remember the story when Israel was belly aching about they had needed something to eat. So God said, I'll give you manna. You remember what he said? He said, now just go out. It'll be on the ground every morning. Go out and get enough for today. And then there were several fellows there by the name of Winston. And they got a whole bunch, more than they needed. And what did God do? He rotted it, didn't he? But he gave them enough for today. And he'll do the same thing for us. Now, one more thing I'll add to this. We got to be careful that we don't destroy today with yesterday. Do we have things in the past that we haven't let go of? We're talking about forgiveness. Because men, if we haven't, if we're carrying things in the past, bitterness or whatever, and we haven't forgiven, it'll destroy today. And by the way, God won't give us the grace, that empowerment to live today the way we can in a victorious way. And I'll just mention this because uh, I found it's It's around with men. A lot of men have had uh, trouble with their dads as young men for whatever reason. And some guys have really been tough, hard. And they're bitter toward their dad. 
if that's the case, or someone else. I had great parents. By the way, they weren't perfect. In fact, you know, you guys, I'm sure you know this, but my kids, my kids were raised in a dysfunctional family because both their parents were sinners. But my dad wasn't a great dad, but he was an alcoholic. Drank a lot. He died when I was 17 from alcoholism. And then I struggled with that until I became a Christian and I got to thinking about it. And I had the perfect dad. Perfect. Because it's the dad God gave me. And today, if God had lined up 12 guys to let me choose my dad and my dad would be one of them I'd choose him every time and so I thank God quite often for my dad and my mother but we're talking about my dad so if there's anything, anyone here that's got that um, God chose him for you for whatever reason and he was a perfect dad for you. So, to just wrap up this little part, we've want, live one day at a time. And guys, it's a discipline to start, but it is freeing. It really does. You can, you just, God will help you just let go of a lot of those things for the day. You cannot live you can only live today. And I'm going to repeat myself, but God will not give you enough grace to live today if you're trying to live tomorrow also. Any questions on that and we'll we'll move on. Well, the second thing I put on this list was do not seek justice for yourself or others. What in the world is he talking about? Let's see if I can remember what I was talking about. Why don't someone uh, read Romans 12, 17 to 21 for us? Romans 12, 17 to 21.
so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on your head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's talk about justice for a moment. Being created in the image of God, there's some things that are just inherently part of that that we all have. Um, And one of them is we want justice. If someone treats us wrong, man, we want it. We want a pound of flesh. Yeah. I'm sorry. You would depends. Well, that just shows how prideful that we can be because when you look at Christ and what happened to him on the cross and before the cross, and he sat up there and said, "Forgive them, for they know not what they do." The humility that that took from from God and God's Son. I mean, we're just we're prideful. I, I try and refer to that and think about that every time. I'm like, that guy cut me off. Why? That's nothing, you know, compared to what our Lord endured. Endured, and, and He said, "Forgive them." Yeah. But the fact is, part of us, part of us that by creation want justice. That is not sin. That's just part of who we are. Now, the question is, how do we manage that? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about what justice is. Our God that we serve is a holy God. He's pure and he's righteous. And any time his righteousness is violated, then justice has to be done. And justice requires punishment. Not discipline, punishment. And the greatest show of justice was on the cross in the propitious death of Christ. Because all of us, when we sin, our sin is against God. And therefore, when Jesus went to the cross, And in his propitious death, he had to satisfy God's judgment. So he was punished for our sins. So when we are violated, our knee-jerk reaction is we want justice. And the Bible, as we've read here, 
our, re, our response is not justice, but mercy. And mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Or said another way, mercy is giving up justice. Think about that. Mercy is giving up justice. And the Bible is replete with calling, calling us, particularly the New Testament, calling for us to give up justice or forgiving. In fact, it's so important, so important that if you go to the Lord's Prayer, there's only a couple, three things he covers as far as, and one of them is forgiveness. And he tells us there that he's going to forgive us on a certain standard. And we get to set that standard. As we forgive others, he's going to forgive us. And turn with me, a, a passage that's really impacted me is, uh, let's go to First uh, Peter chapter 2. First Peter 2. Okay. I'll wait till you're there. <coughs> They're talking about being, being treated harshly and so on. And let me just start reading verse 21. He says, For you have been called for this purpose, for suffering, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Listen to this, uh, guys who committed no sin, nor has no deceit found in his mouth. Now, we can't say that, but he could, yeah. But 23, here's the verse that just really grabs me. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats but kept entrusting himself to God who judges righteously. He was reviled. If you're reviled, you're rejected in a nasty, violent way. <laughs> Guess what? He didn't revile in return. Wow. One thing that just grabs me is if somebody want uh, get on the freeway and they uh, tailgate me, I mean, it just pushes a button in me. <laughs> and I really, really have to think about this. Yeah. Yeah. When he was reviled, he did not revile and turn. When he suffered, he didn't utter threats. 
Men, I don't know whether you've thought about it this way or not, but we as Christians are the only people that have the ability to pull this off. Because since we have a desire for justice, then justice has to be done. And so the reason we have the ability is we know, we know there's going to be one final judgment, don't we? And all justice is going to be done. And so by faith, we can rest in that and let our present desire for justice go. So we need to review that in our minds. And that's what God's saying there in the Romans passage is, listen, vengeance is mine. I'll take care of it. There's going to be perfect justice, perfect justice for everyone. Therefore, we've got the ability to let it go and begin to, when revile, not revile in return. Hmm. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. All along as I read, I'm going to read uh, the last couple of verses. Well, I'm going to read the, uh, one more verse. Starting verse 30. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Fellows, we are indwelled of the Holy Spirit. When we're in cadence with him, we have love and joy and peace. When we seek justice on our own, we grieve him. After all, God's none for us. Last thing we want to do is grieve him in it. Then he says, and then he kind of gives some things that grieve God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander put away from you along with all malice. Again, men, if you've got any of that in your heart, Give it up. Bitterness is the cancer to the soul. It'll eat you alive. You may not even call it bitterness. You may just call it resentment. I don't care what you call it. Don't kid yourself if you just call it resentment. You can't afford it. 
And then the last verse. I'd encourage you to memorize these three verses. They'll, they're so helpful. <coughs> Take ownership of them. Verse 33. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Men, we live in a culture today that's hell-bent on justice. They don't call it that. They call it racism. That's all that is. And just think of all these clamors that we have to live with today. I want my own rights. That's justice. Wanting justice. And men, if we don't if we don't practice what the scripture tells us we'll be caught up in that chaos. And we'll be totally out of sync with he who dwells within us. And a terrible way to live. Terrible way to live. And it's very, very costly if we live that way. Not just for us, the Bible says it even goes down to the second, third, and fourth generation. I don't know about you, but it takes a lot of, I have to really limit myself on how much news I watch where it can really stir me up. Yeah. I think we've got to be careful that we don't, uh, you know, we're told to honor our, honor the king, Peter says. Honor those in authority over us. Honor is a decision. We can decide who we honor or not. We, we cannot agree with them, but let it be. And the church has gotten caught up into this called social justice. And men, it's just contrary to what the Bible says. And it's destructive to our intimacy with Christ and our walk with Christ. You are not going to fix this culture. In that Roman Empire... I've read different numbers, but numbers as high as 50% or so of the people were in slavery during the time that Jesus walked here on the earth. And not once, not once did he dress it to try to fix it. 
In fact, then the apostles come along and what do they do? They instruct the slaves how to live and the masters on how to treat them. Turn with me to First Corinthians seven. Is that after Romans? Let me see if I can find right quick what I want. Yeah, I'm going to pick up 17 to get to 21, though. Thank you. 717. Only as the Lord assigns to you, to each one of you, God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches, was a man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He's not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is keeping of the commandments of God. Each man, listen to this, each man must remain in the condition which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you're able also to become a free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a, while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves to men. Men, if we try to seek justice for ourselves or for others, we'll become a slave to men. Because each one is to remain with God in the condition in which he was called. Any thoughts or comments on that? Then we'll do something else. Thank you for preaching that out of the truth. Mm-hmm. All right. How much time do we have? 15 minutes. Okay, we'll have to rush this, but let's do it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. If a man's called there, then he goes. But, Sam, you don't go there to, the purpose you go there is because God has you there as an ambassador for Christ. That's why you go. Yeah. You have to keep your perspective. Good question.
extension to that question. So from time to time, we hear about the news about some injustice. About what? Injustice. Uh -huh. For instance, I live in Northern California. Uh, we got a very liberal DA uh, who's friendly to the criminal. Yes. So now there's a movement of, um, there's an organizing effort of recording the DA. Mm -hmm. So as a question, what do you suggest, what, what kind of position do you suggest us to take? Well, as a citizen, you could you you can uh, exercise your rights. You know, you can. One of our rights is to vote. But we got to be careful. Uh, here's just a simple one. If a man asks you. Uh, are you a Democrat or a Republican? <laughs> immediately, immediately he's trying to put you in a box. So maybe we ought to register as an independent. The point being, as Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might win some. Men, it's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And if it's going to hinder even how people see us, and we, we don't stress how they, we don't work to try to get them to see us a certain way, but Paul, when he was, he said when he was with the Jews, he kept the commandments, but he didn't, he didn't uh, focus on the differences. He focused on Christ. And when with our Christians, we focus on Christ, what we can agree on. And there's certain exceptions to that for discipline and so on. All right, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 is about the rest of God. We've talked about walking in the Spirit. We've heard that. Jesus says in John 15, to abide in Him, which I think is the same thing. And the third one, which I think is the same thing, is to rest in God. And so <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews and remember, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jew, Jewish Christians. And part of the issue is they're being persecuted, and so, so they're having this issue of if they declare themselves just as a Jew, uh, they're just fine in Rome. But if they declare themselves as Christians, then they get persecuted. So that's part of what he's addressing. But here in chapter 3, he talks about it's when Israel went up against at Kadesh Barnea, and they were supposed to go into the promised land. God had promised it to them. And you remember the story? They had 12 spies went in, came back and said, there's giants there. We better not go in. 
And a couple of guys, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, no, let's trust God and go. They didn't, and God got really angry with them. And I tell that because they refer that over also, because they use the word rest in three or four ways. One is they didn't enter the rest because they didn't go into the promised land. And then they, there's another part of this where you, if you don't believe in Christ, you miss the rest of knowing Christ. And then there's another way they use rest when they refer to God, six-day creation, and then he rested on the seventh day. And then I'm going to pick up, <coughs> I'm going to pick up in, in Joshua, Joshua, eight's where I'm at. If Joshua had given them rest, they would not have spoken another rest after that. In other words, Joshua was the one that actually led the men finally into the promised land. But he says there's another rest. So verse 9, here we go. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who enters his rest must himself rest, also needs to rest from his works as God did from his. So if you want to enter God's rest, he says you've got to rest from our works as God did from his, referring to the creation, okay? So let's keep reading, and we'll come, we're going to come back to this, this verse 10. 11, he says, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one falls short of following the same example of disobedience. Now, he's referring back to chapter 3, when Israel wouldn't go into the promised land. And so God actually put them in the desert for 40 years, and many of them died. And then the next verse, when I first was trying to figure this out a while back, quite a while back, I thought, what in the world is this verse doing in here? It, I don't, it didn't seem like in place. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Wow. That gets right down to the core, doesn't it? See, men, this Bible is a mirror for us. You get into this Bible, and God will be get right down to the quick of things bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And we begin to see who we really are. He may show us sin in our life or things he wants to change. Or he may show us things that will encourage us, spur us on. But what it does it gradually, because we're told we don't even know our own motives for sure. But boy, the Holy Spirit can sure show us things in the Word if we just get in there, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a mirror to us. And then in verse 13, 
And there is no creature hidden from his sight. Talking about Jesus, our God. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Think about that, men. God sees everything about us. All of our history. All of those thoughts that we wouldn't ever tell anyone. He sees it all. And yet, through the blood of Jesus, he accepts us exactly as we are. Accepts us with full disclosure. And men, we've never had that experience before. Because every other relationship we've ever had and even have today is conditional. Because there's not a relationship we have that we could do things to destroy the relationship. Only God could have this kind of relationship because only God knows all things. So he knew, he knows the past, present, and future. Therefore, we'll never surprise God. We may disappoint him, but we'll never surprise him. And so men, you and I, have spent our whole life doing things so people will accept us. The way we dress, the way we talk, maybe the kind of car. I mean, it's so influential on us because we know, we know that if we do certain things, people won't accept us. And so we spent our whole life trying to gain acceptance. And so when we talk about something or try to explain something, generally we, in explaining it, we'll, we'll maybe put in little teeny, we don't call them testimonies, but that's what they are, of experiences we've had to make our point. But we don't have any of those when it comes to God accepts us right as we are because we've never had that experience. It's new. And men, if we're going to be free, Jesus said, if you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. And this is a part of the gospel that I'm, I'm afraid so many of our brothers and sisters haven't grabbed a hold of it yet. But it's, it's, it's at the core of the gospel that God accepts you, accepts me. Now, by the way, it has 
doesn't eliminate anything of how we respond to that through obedience and so on and being held accountable. That doesn't affect that at all. But, but men, it's by faith, by faith only, because you have nothing else to accept what we say here. God accepts you exactly as you are, and now we have to accept ourselves because that's who we are. Not based on anything we've done, but what our dear Savior did on the cross for us. And men, (coughs) (coughs) so when we fall short during the day, that does not affect God's acceptance of us. And I'll get to that in a minute. But man, we've got to accept ourselves as we are because if we don't, then we're setting a standard higher than God's and that's blasphemy. And when we accept ourselves as we are, Now we're free. Jesus says again, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what he's talking about here. Part, part. So now we're secure, man. Now and only now are we really in a position to agape love, which is God's love. It's supernatural. Now, we're able to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're able to love anyone because now I don't have to be focused on myself because now I accept myself. I have have significance. I have purpose. I'm secure. Now, and only now, because only the secure can love, now I'm in a position I can focus on the needs of others. And that's agape love. They'll know you by your love. That's, that's what he was talking about. And then, men, there's another just absolutely wonderful thing that happens. Now we're secure. Now when other people don't accept us, we can let it be their problem and not ours. And boy, do we need that. And we're going to need it, I think, more and more the way this culture is going. and Jesus isn't real popular today, have you noticed? <laughs> and the people that proclaiming aren't very, nice, aren't very popular either. 
or accepted. And that's okay. Because we've been told that's the way it's going to go. But our hope isn't in the temporal, is it? Well, I think it's just more validity to who he is, though. Because you can say Allah, you can say Buddha, you can say, the second you say Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, mm. that's enough. Yeah. So let's go back. Let's go back to verse 10. Well, verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The one who enters his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. What does it mean, rest from our works? Men, we're so conditioned, we're so conditioned to work at having other people accept us. It's almost a knee-jerk reaction when it comes to God that we still are trying to earn or do things that he'll accept us. Hmm. Rest from our works. All of us are secure. We're significant. That's the uniqueness of Christianity. The very core of Christianity is the worth of the individual. Institutions, buildings, the individual, I don't care who it is whether it's that baby in the womb, that guy on the street that's got his sign up, I don't care who it is. We've all got value. God declares it. And that's who Jesus died for and that's who he came to. I did not come to serve, but to be to serve. And give my life a ransom for many. Many what? Individuals. So what's it was uh, resting from our works mean that we found our acceptance and we become confident and secure in that, allowing us to rest from that pursuit and now focus on the needs of others. That's right. Yeah. I don't need to work on myself anymore. I got this. Hmm. Yeah, and it's you, you got to review it because we've never been accepted before unconditionally. So it's by faith, but as you guys know, you can study something, but then you go back and you review it, and it it energizes it and expands it and so on. And this is one where, yeah.
So men, when we, I think when we really begin to get that into our soul, then the commandments move from having to keep them to wanting to keep them to please God. Now pleasing God's different than accepting his acceptance. Every commandment's given to us for our own good. Because we need boundaries. Because the biggest challenge we've got is not Satan. It's us. I'm my own worst enemy. Can't, I'm not trustworthy. Hmm. And let me pray for us. Father, we are overwhelmed when we think of you And for reasons that just go way beyond what we can even think. That you love each of us. Have total interest in us. Thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for interceding for us every moment of every day. Thank you, dear Holy Spirit, that the power you give us, if you'll just let us. Oh God, I help. I pray for all my brothers and myself that you'll help us. Help us. Accept your acceptance for your glory and your pleasure. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, man.